Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is UXK. 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 I'm your host, Lee Allen Arredondo. Welcome to the UX Cake Podcast. This week, I had the opportunity to speak with Aisha Bursell, a renowned designer and the co-founder of Bursell & Sec, an award-winning design and innovation studio in New York, working with Herman Miller, Ikea, and Toyota, among others. Aisha is also the creator of Design the Life You Love, which is a guide for anyone who wants to create their very best life. Aisha developed this transformative process when she decided to try out a design methodology she created called deconstruction, reconstruction on her own life. This process is for designers and non-designers alike, I should mention. It's very accessible. We also talked about how this is a process you can apply to design anything, a product, a team, a company, even a family. Aisha is going to be a keynote speaker at Interaction 19 in February, IXDA's global conference, which I'm very excited is in Seattle this year, my fair city. This year's conference looks amazing. Go on over to interaction19.ixda.org to learn more and register. I really loved my conversation with Aisha, and I think you will too. So let's get on with the show. Thank you so much, Aisha, for joining me on UX Cake. Lee, thank you for having me. It's exciting. I have been really looking forward to this conversation. You are such a successful and well-known designer, and now you have this fantastic book and workshop that you're creating this almost this new career for yourself. That's where I actually wanted to start. So I meet so many people in my field who are in a career transition or considering a career transition in some way. So I'm so excited to have a chance to talk to you about designing a life that you love. And I wanted to start with talking about your own career transition. I read something recently where you said you used to design products and now you help design lives, which I might be misquoting that exactly, but I wanted to delve into that just a little bit and find out how this transition that you've made in your career has been going. Great. No, you're not misquoting me. Teaching people to design their lives have taught me that really our role as designers, but maybe as leaders, is really to improve people's lives and help people find more joy and simplicity in their life. You know, to me, that really is the purpose of everyone who's trying to do something to help solve problems. <laughs> I used to think that, you know, I'm a product designer, but now I think I design lives because this whole notion of teaching people how to design their lives using design process and tools has shown me how powerful design is. And it really is like pure design without the intermediary of any products, any services, any apps. It's really you and your life and a design process. Mm -hmm. And it helps people transform their lives. And that's why I keep on doing it. And that's why it's become the foundation of how we think what our role is. 
as designers. Yeah, it's very powerful. And it makes a lot of sense. And I want to delve in a little bit on the methodology, the design methodology behind it. But I would love to find out at a personal level for you three years ago, when you published the book, you had been doing some workshops, I think, when you started this, I mean, now it's very successful three years on, you've been able to empower many, many lives. But three years ago, when you were just thinking about this transition in your own career, how did you feel about that? Was there any fear or trepidation or were you just purely excited? So in my mind, fear and excitement goes hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But it actually started 10 years ago, and it came from a place of vulnerability because in 2008, exactly, when the economy crashed, we were a very successful design office with these incredible clients. But it felt like it was overnight that they took all the work in-house stopped projects and we found ourselves with almost no clients. And I hadn't seen this coming. I thought, you know, that's not going to happen to us. And it happened to us. And I found myself with a lot of time in my hands and I didn't really know what to do with myself. And a dear friend of mine, Leah Kaplan, who's also one of my close collaborators, she said to me, look, you know, okay, you have all this time in your hands, but why don't you use this time to think about how you think because you think differently. And that was really the beginning of this journey where I thought, great, you know, at least one person still believes in how I think. And then I, you know, started mapping out how I think, which is really an interesting exercise. I would recommend it to everyone to figure out, you know, what goes on in your brain. And then I mapped it out. I sketched it until it became this process where I said, you know, what I do is deconstruct what I know and then from that reconstruct the future. And that became kind of my methodology for like my intuitive process became tangible and apparent. And then using that, I thought, well, I think my life is my biggest project. What if I apply it, deconstruction, reconstruction to my life? And the whole thing started as an experiment. So I developed exercises to see if this could be done using design process and tools Then I did my own exercises. So in a way, I was my first student. And then a friend of mine, Shirley Moulton, who leads Academy of Life, she gave me an opportunity to do a first workshop. And then I did this workshop. People liked it. There's something very interesting about this intersection of life and design that people are naturally drawn to. And so they told their friends, their friends told their friends. The book came really like seven years down the line where people had been asking me about like, why don't you write a book? Like, are you writing a book? And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I should write a book. I'd like to write a book. And at one point I was like, I really either should stop talking about the book or just write the thing, you know. I feel very fortunate because I wrote the whole thing actually. Then it became a book and now so many people have have used it. And I think you're one of them. You were just telling me. So I'm thrilled. Yes, I can imagine that this is a book that comes to people when they most need it. Do you hear that from people who read your book or take your workshops? Yes, it appears when you're in a moment of transition. 
And this is what's really powerful to me right now, because I talk to people just about everyone, every event I go to in my discipline of UX, there are so many people who are transitioning into UX or transitioning into leadership roles or transitioning from product design into digital design or, you know, there's all this movement that's happening in our careers now. And it feels like you have very important decisions to make. And people often will reach out when they they just want some guidance when I think what I found from your book was all those answers really are already inside you. But let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. That's what I found as well. The, my biggest learning from doing Design the Life You Love and all its different iterations has been that people are extraordinarily creative and you have it inside you. I feel like all I'm doing is show you a process and say, you know, and ask you to give yourself permission to do it. And then what happens afterwards is amazing, transformational, and people rise up to the challenge of, you know, thinking like a designer. And I think that's why I keep on doing it, because it just is truly transformational. And for me to see that makes me feel like, you know, I have a purpose. And, you know, the fun thing about deconstruction, reconstruction, is that I've done it with people who are 12 years old, all the way to 90 years old. So it's for anyone and everyone. And it has four steps. So deconstruction is really breaking something apart to see what something is made up of. And if you're doing it around life, it's your life and what are the parts and pieces of it. The second step is then point of view. It's looking at those same parts from a different angle so that you can see the same things differently. And so doing some design exercises around thinking about the same things differently. The third step is then reconstruction. It's the other side of deconstruction. It's really about bringing clarity and making choices. And the fourth piece is once you have that clarity, expressing your idea or your design so that you can go and make it happen. It sounds like it's kind of straightforward, but I think there must be a very different approach in a workshop than there would be in a book. I felt like the book is a process over time. And so it's something that someone can do, you know, on their own in a short period of time or a long period of time. But a workshop must be very, very different from that. So people have told me this is like the perfect vacation book or plane book because you can sit down and do it in three hours. You could do it, like you said, you know, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there over a extended period of time. What happens when you're in a workshop is a workshop has a beginning and an end. So I've done it where I've taught people how to do the whole process in one hour. We've done it in three hours. We've done it for a whole day. And the longest I've done it is over a week. <laughs> oh, wow. With a <laughs> yeah. group of people? Uh, with a group of people. So the one hour is what I call a master class. It's very speedy. It's like you do the exercises. You know, design is all about learning by doing. So it's doing it in one hour, going through the four steps, but then knowing that you have the book where you could expand time and do it at your pace. The three hours allows for more collaboration where People share their experiences and you hear other people 
thinking about the same things that you might be thinking about. And a day is more leisurely. And what happens in the workshop is I'm there as your taskmaster. <laughs> That's what happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's some accountability. <laughs> Often what I say is like, I ask people, what comes to your mind when I say apple? Just respond. Red. There we go. Apple red. And so I do that with people in the workshop and I say, and people shout back at me and they say, red, iPhone, computers, <laughs> doctor, Snow White, New York, you name it. Uh -huh. But it just happens like that very quickly. I'm snapping my fingers. It's like, <laughs> and what they're doing is they're going with their gut feeling. And in the workshop, I tell people, go with your gut feeling because often that's your intuition and your unconscious telling you things. And it's the best way to learn in the moment because there's not a lot of time to you know, diverge and go in different directions. So the exercises take like five minutes and then we might share for 10 minutes, but that's the rhythm of it. You mentioned that this process has been very transformational for people. Can you give me an example of that? <laughs> yes, there's so many of them. You know, it's really interesting. I realized one day that I never had like direct compliments or feedback uh, for all the things that I've designed from like toilet seats to office systems where, you know, you don't get a note saying, you know, your toilet seat changed my life. Right. <laughs> With this process, I do get notes or, you know, I'll run into someone who's come to a workshop on the street or like you, I'll meet someone and they'll say, you know, I have your book and they'll say, your process has transformed my life. And then they'll tell me, you know, because of it, I've quit my job and I started my startup or I went and talked to my boss and said, this is what I really want to do. And I got, I love what I'm doing now. Or my favorite is the, a few years back, the head of innovation at Procter and Gamble came and then he went back home and he sent me a note couple weeks later and it said, you know, I taught your process to my wife and now we do it together every Sunday. Hmm. <laughs> and I interviewed them two years later and they were still doing it. And what was the objective? Do you know, like there must be a lot of different objectives, but for something like that. For something like that, they were empty nesters. They were in the process of sending their kids off to college and suddenly finding themselves as two people suddenly, and they wanted to kind of redesign their lives together. And the process apparently helped them kind of clarify what they wanted to do together moving forward and that their values were very much the same, actually, but the way they expressed them were different. And so they identified, and I think this is the power of the process, got clarity about what matters to them both. And then they started exploring, well, how do you want to do this your way, my way? And then that became an ongoing conversation. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic. I love that. You know, when I first started Design the Life You Love, people would tell me, oh, you know, I wouldn't want to do that with my partner because it'll deconstruct our relationship. But it doesn't actually. It, it reconstructs your relationship because it gives you a non-threatening, creative way to think about and share 
what are the parts and pieces of our life? What are our values? And based on those values, what do we want our choices to be? And some of those choices in expressions we could do together and some of them we could do alone. And then, and the fun thing is you can collaborate and, you know, help each other design and live the life that they want to live individually and then, and also together. You know, one thing that struck me was that this methodology, how I would use it for a product feels very different than how I would use it in my approach to life. I think maybe because it's more about understanding your vision for your life, which is maybe a little bit different. That's also very useful, I think, for a company or for product. I mean, a product team should probably understand the vision. It's definitely going to help them create a better product. But I love that this is a very different kind of approach. Well, actually, this is comes from design of products, because that's my expertise, right? And it goes towards designing products, that's because we continue to do that. But we also now use it with leaders and their teams to help people design the team they love, the company they love, and also co-design with their end users to design so many different subjects. So you can design aging, you can design mobility, laundry. And I think the key to all of it is the realization that everything that we do is an experience and that understanding what are the values that are at the foundation of that experience is key to making choices and that we could have a shared vision for that experience. And the process is actually, it's an incredibly accessible process, but it's a very rigorous process. And the idea is to move you from this problem space to an opportunity space. And once you see the opportunities, what happens is, and one of the key things about design and deconstruction, reconstruction, is that what I've learned is that what you can visualize, you can make happen. And that really is the key to this is it helps you create a roadmap. Instead of letting things come at you, you can create a roadmap and say, to get there, I need to go from here to there and na na na. And then if that roadmap is exciting to you, then you really do something about finding the resources to make it happen. And that's been my experience with designing products. And it's what I see with using the process in these different experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And as you're talking, I was thinking about how the idea of a roadmap comes up in a lot of these conversations about how to be more effective in design in our work. And what often happens in work is that we get teams and designers, individuals, it's easy to get really hung up on the day-to-day -day or very tactical or the details and lose sight of the larger picture, lose sight of the vision. And that can lead to choices or decisions that aren't actually in the best interest of that original vision. And I, that is what happens in many people's lives as well, I think. Absolutely. I mean, it's true for me. <laughs> so sometimes I especially find that in moments of challenge, whether this is as an individual or as an organization, as a family, you kind of lose your North Star and 
what I like about the process is it gives you kind of a structure to think about something and to look at the big picture. Again, remember your values and then say, well, and also remind you that you always have choices. And then what I often do is I get people to draw themselves at the center of their life and create a roadmap for themselves. And then I ask them to write a manifesto. And the whole thing is playful. Design is playful. Mm -hmm. So often what I observe is people don't know why they're doing these steps and where it's going to lead them. And then suddenly it just, but they do it. They go along with it. They're curious. And then they suddenly towards the end, it's when it starts to click into place and this thing emerges in front of them. That's magical. To me, that in a way is the design process in a nutshell. You kind of go along with it. You're trying to solve a problem. You don't know what, how it's going to go together. And then, you know, as a designer, I find myself some mornings I wake up and I'm really like preoccupied by like, where's the idea and why can't I see it? And then you hang in there and you go through the phases of you know, developing an idea. And then one day it kind of pops up and it's like, here I am. (laughs) And and when that happens, you're excited and, you know, you want to tell people about it. You want to convince them of your ideas and you want to bring it to life because you think there's something to this. It's going to impact people's lives. And so anyway, and I see that happening with designing your life. I see it happening with the leadership work we do and we teach them how to think like a designer to get to this kind of empathic, positive mindset and mind shift. And yeah, it's exciting. Are there any specific techniques that you find to be most helpful, like across, you know, there's a whole process, but any specific techniques that you find to be most helpful to many people? Probably the one that is most unexpected and helpful to people, and it's kind of like the pivoting point in the process, is the heroes exercise, where I ask people to think about their heroes and tell them, you know, these are not superheroes, they're people, and they might be people you know, like your family or a friend or a mentor or people you know of, and Why are you interested in them? What is it about them that inspires you? And then I ask people, like, think about your heroes, one, three, ten, write down their qualities. What is it that you see in them that inspires you? And that is the kind of the heart of what happens in the design process. I'll tell you the reveal. (laughs) (laughs) Is that it's what I'm really asking people is what are your values? But it's really hard to ask anyone what their values are because you would get very standard answers. But what I do is I ask them who their heroes are because what you see in your heroes are actually, those are your values. And that's why you recognize them and you see them and you're interested in them. So then people are amazed because I turn it on its head and I say, oh, so your hero is... Michelle Obama, because she is true to herself and vulnerable and, you know, articulate yet, you know, hardworking and, but seems to be very kind. And then I say, 
Those are your values, actually. You are just like your hero. You are, you know, articulate and hardworking and kind and, you know, vulnerable, but in a good way. And people look at me like, I don't know where this woman is coming from. We just met. And how did she read me? And I'm like, <laughs> I've done it so many times that now I know. But it, so the point of it is, and why it's so important and it really surprises people, is because our values are the foundation of everything we do. Without them, we wouldn't know how to make choices. And sometimes we forget them. And so it's really important when you're designing something to like understand what are the values that drive this idea and how am I going to make choices? Because you are going to make choices. You can't have everything. And so that is probably the most powerful exercise and it sets everything else in motion. It's really interesting too, because as you're explaining that and the purpose of that exercise, it sounds very much like kind of an approach that we take in research to finding an answer. You can't just ask the question right outright. (laughs) Why do you pay money for this iPhone? It's not that simple. You have to ask, well, you know, why this? And, you know, you keep asking why. But you basically, I guess what I'm saying is you have to get to the answer in a very roundabout way when you do user research. And this exercise sounds very much like that, getting to an answer without asking the question outright, because you won't get the answer if you just ask that question outright. Absolutely. Yeah. I noticed that you also do workshops for designing the company you love, and there might be others like this, design the team you love. Those are often, when you're working with other people, those are hard questions to ask. What are your values and how do you work with people? So is that kind of the approach that you take in these other situations where you've got people who aren't related to each other and have to work together and create something together with combined values? Exactly. Design the company you love, really getting people together to have a, one of my mentors used to call this a shared mental model that you share an idea together. And to get there, you know, what I lean on is design fundamentally is playful. And the reason for that is when you're playing, you're like kids, you're not afraid of making things mistakes. You try things, you know, and iterate and you try again and you, you know, improve and there's a joy to it. And so bringing that into a team and a company that feels they're burdened and they're challenged and, you know, getting them to use these new tools that are non-threatening. And just like you were saying, it doesn't, you know, ask you, you know, what's your problem? It says, well, let's deconstruct this together. You know, what's the emotion and what's the, some of your constraints and what are your, some of, but there, you know, constraints are also opportunities. So let's talk about opportunities and let me remind you, you have choices. So let's talk about choices. What that does is actually people describe you their challenge, but they, without thinking, oh my God, you know, this is so hard. And then, Once you start looking at that and then you add this different layers like your values or metaphors and get people to think about complex things in relation to things they know, there's a reason and rhyme to it. But what it does is you're basically putting it 
on the table and you decide you're going to work on this together. And then when it all starts to come together, it builds trust and ownership because now you've gone through the process and you know where this new mental model or vision is coming from. It wasn't imposed on you. You contributed to coming up with this idea together. And it's on a bed of shared values. What's really interesting is we're so different, and yet we also share many values. And most people are generous. Most people are trustworthy. Most people are loyal, and they most people want to come back from failure and you know try hard again. And it's making those things accessible and available. The process with my team, we always say, trust the process because there's a moment where it feels like everything goes like haywire and you're like, how is this going to go back together again? And it always does. And it always builds excitement and a feeling of, you know, we have a plan. Mm -hmm. I love that. Imagine like doing that with your team about your company. It's very empowering. I love how this methodology, this framework can be used in so many different applications. And I am curious if, you know, you've created it, but you've also put it out there in the world. So anyone can use this framework as they wish. And I'm curious if you've heard of people using this methodology or framework in a way that surprises you. It just surprises me to this day that people are drawn to it. And Mm-hmm. Like I was saying earlier, this idea of designing your life, people gravitate to it naturally. So, you know, <laughs> I think that surprises me and happily so. Why does that surprise you? You know, I guess because I often kind of complain about like nobody knows what design is. It's really hard to explain. It's not like you know, it would be so much easier if I were a plumber, you know, people would know when to call me. If I were a lawyer, people would know when to call me. <laughs> but when it's design, often people really don't know when they need you. Right. and they <laughs> Or they don't think they need you when they do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or why they need you. And, you know, and it's such a mouthful to explain, like, the benefit of working with designers. It's There's no single, like... You know, I keep you out of jail or I, you know, open your pipes and the kind of thing. So, but then as soon as I say, well, by the way, I have this book called Design the Life You Love. People's eyes light up and they're like, really, I want to get that. And then they'll get on their Amazon and they'll buy the book or when is your workshop? And I'm like, that doesn't require any explanation whatsoever. You know, it, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah, I've wondered if there are groups, you know, you're in New York, and not everyone has accessibility to your workshops. This seems like the kind of book that a group of friends maybe could embark on their own sort of peer mentoring type workshop where they work on it together. Absolutely. Do people like have you heard of people doing that? Yeah, that was the one thing I did want to tell you. I have heard people in book clubs, 
doing Design the Life You Love as a group. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that too. And when that happens, they're like, oh yeah, we get together like Thursday nights and we do this for an hour and then, yeah. <laughs> That's fabulous. Yeah. There's also just FYI, an online course that people could check out on 42courses.com where it's like having me on your computer where I explain where the ideas come from and walk you through the process and what's fun is there's some ready-made lists that you could choose from. So there is that as a tool as well that people like to use. And that's 42 courses, like the number 42? Exactly. And then courses.com. Awesome. What are some other ways that people, uh, clearly they can get your book on Amazon or wherever they like to buy books, but what are some other ways that they can follow you online? They can follow me and I'd be delighted on Twitter and it's Aisha Bircel Sec is my Twitter handle. You want me to spell that? I'll be sure to put that in the show notes because it's a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. And then it's we're on Facebook and Instagram as Design the Life You Love by Aisha Bircel. And then I have a podcast and actually the second season is coming out. Oh, good. Yeah, that's coming out next week and it's on salon.com and as well as in iTunes, Design the Life You Love by Aisha Bircel. That's great. Yeah. I'm very excited because my first guest is Marshall Goldsmith, who's known as the world's number one leadership coach. And we start the podcast by singing, there's no business like show business together. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I, I'm going to have to start incorporating singing into my podcast, clearly. And clearly, yes. I don't know why we didn't start like that. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that suggestion before. So now I'm going to next time. But you'll know where that's coming from if you listen to or when you listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> and I have to also plug, I've listened to your podcast. Definitely recommend that. I also have to plug the Design Matters podcast. And I know it was a while back that you were on Design Matters. Oh, yeah. With Debbie Melman. Fantastic, fantastic host. And yeah, it was a great episode. I listened to it again recently. And all of her podcasts are fantastic. But I really liked the interview that she had with you. And then the interview that you had with her. It was fantastic to hear those almost side by side. But a couple years apart, I think. Yes, thank you. I mean, she is such a master. For me, it was such an honor to be invited to her podcast. And then when I started my podcast, I wonder if she'd be my guest. And then she said a big yes. And I would recommend everybody to listen to her because she talks about courage. Yes. And it's that's also incredibly inspiring. Yes. I have to tell you, I was so nervous about having her on my podcast. And then, <laughs> but. Oh, but it was great. Yeah, no, it was great. And I told you before we started that I was so excited to have you on UX Cake. And I can't really thank you enough. This has been really fun. And thank you so much for joining me on UX Cake. It was really my pleasure. And I had a lot of fun too. So thank you for that. I was so excited to talk with Aisha. I hope you feel inspired now to try out this process for yourself. 
whether it's for your life or your work or whatever needs designing, Aisha's book is a really fun and easy hands-on guide to this process. And there's lots of other resources at her website, AishaBursell.com, A-Y-S-E-B-I-R-S-E-L.com. And the links are also in the show notes at uxcake.co, if that's easier to remember. If you are a new UX Cake listener, you can hear lots more great content at uxcake.co or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're a regular listener, please help us out by rating and better yet, leaving us a review to tell others what you like about it. Not only will it help others find us, as we start planning for season two, we're looking for sponsors so we can continue the podcast with even better content in 2019. We have great download numbers, but ratings and reviews really matter. And we want to find sponsors who are really a good fit for our audience. This is the last full episode of season one, by the way. We already have some fantastic content and interviews planned for season two starting in January. I am really excited about next year's season. So thank you for listening to the UX Cake podcast and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a bite.